0: Welcome to our podcast, Conversations About Student Mental Health. I'm Chris Leonard, clinical social worker working with adolescents for over 25 years. In this podcast, I talk with school administrators, educators, clinicians, and parents to open a dialogue that will help the growing number of students struggling with mental illness. As we record this podcast in April of 2021, educators, parents, and students Are anticipating the return to full-time in-person learning. Our feelings about fully reopening schools are kind of a mixed bag. Some of us would jump right in tomorrow if allowed. Others are feeling much more cautious, even fearful. But one thing we can all agree on, or that most educators agree on, is that we can expect even more students to be struggling with anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues that interfere with their ability to participate successfully in the school environment. It's pretty clear to many of us that there is a mental health gap that we urgently need to close in order to ensure the safety and well-being of our students. We share a widespread sense that we need to help teachers, administrators, and school counselors be ready to assist these students. So where do we start? Nancy Sula, The visionary educator I had as my guest in episode 11 on effective hybrid learning environments refers to helping teachers acquire certain super skills or superpowers they need to help students succeed in academics. We can think about building a parallel set of superpowers to help teachers, administrators, and school counselors work more confidently and effectively with students who are struggling with mental health issues. A great way of doing this is providing school personnel with targeted training on student mental health and pairing this training with sustained coaching or mentoring experiences. Joining me today is John Riley, Clinical Director of the Thrive Alliance Group. John is a certified psychoanalyst and a licensed clinical social worker with over 28 years in practice. He also served for 22 years as an owner administrator of the Sage Day and New Alliance Academy Therapeutic Day Schools. Currently, John provides weekly coaching sessions to cohorts of school personnel, and he'll be sharing with us today how this process supports school staff in becoming more confident and more effective in working with
1: students with mental health issues.
0: John, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey, Chris, nice to be here again. I love what you're doing with this podcast. Uh, I I love what we're doing with Thrive. I'm really excited about you know sharing all that with with the audience uh, but when I, as i was listening to your opening it made me think about you know thinking about coaching and how to talk about it and you mentioned superpowers and one of the things about the superpowers is we do we do try to have um professionals you work with develop superpowers but they don't have to be super people to develop superpowers there's some really um good training and tenets of the work that we do together that as we talk about it people get more educated people learn about You know different different mental health issues how to intervene they actually develop what feels to them like superpowers they develop an empathy an understanding that helps them you know better connect with the kids better connect with other staff members um other thing i was thinking about in your opening is the difference in people right now about the willingness to go back to school Um, some want to stay home some want to go back to school uh one group that I work with they 've been in school literally um, for the whole year they 've never they never really left they they were administrators they were counselors they stayed in school, and they have a real comfort level with you know being in school and but there's a lot of other teachers that don't have that comfort level and I really had to you know talk with this group of people about you know while they 're comfortable with it they have to be prepared for these staff members that are coming in that have a whole different level of comfort and and really to be empathic to that and it, it kind of gave them pause because they realized, oh my God, yeah, the way I'm feeling about this isn't necessarily the way everyone else feels. So I have to be prepared to uh, to maybe deal with the anxiety that comes in, rather than be frustrated. Because you know it can be frustrating if we're used to something. If 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 our our way of doing it is you know doing things is jumping in and being ready, and other people are a little resident or, resident or, 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 or hesitant about it, um, reticent. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, you know it can be frustrating for those mm-hmm. people that are really ready to roll up their sleeves. So. Um, you know, that's kind of you know what we what we try to do with some of the some of the coaching sessions that we have. So I'm excited to talk about it. Great.
0: yeah, well, that that kind of leads very nicely into the first question I was thinking about. you know, because you were talking about the different comfort levels that people have, and you were talking about how, you know, we kind of assume that there are certain people that have a comfort level that we don't have and that we can't right, have. Right. and um, or we assume everybody feels the way we do. Um, and, and for certain, one thing I've noticed in my own experiences as a teacher, a school social worker, and an administrator, is that when it comes to mental health issues, many professionals are hesitant to intervene when they suspect a student is struggling. What have you observed, and, and what are your thoughts on how to address this?
1: Well, you know, you and I have been together for, uh, what, uh, you know, 25, 30 years in, 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 in mental health, and, and we've, you know, had, I've had the, uh, the benefit of working side by side with you so we've we've had a whole host of professionals you know uh that we've worked with over the years but you know one of the things that we've always been aware of whether it's uh counselors teachers administrators uh different people have different feelings about mental you know mental health issues and uh you know for some people it's 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 scary for them you know uh when you, when you work with people with mental health issues there's a lot of feelings that get brought up uh you know some people that are professionals have had mental illness in their and their own families, have had their, their own struggles with uh, with mental health issues or emotional issues. So it does bring up a lot of feelings for people. Some people just want to deny that it's even happening. Some people want to, you know, kick the can down the road and assume someone else will pick it up. Uh, some people will over-function for the person with some some mental health challenges. So... I think you know one of the things that we have to do is realize there's different reactions and different comfort levels, and then you know as I do in my coaching sessions, and we, and we try to do it thrive with all of our our trainings that we do is equip people with the knowledge about things, um, and and uh, help them be uh, more empathic to themselves and to the students that they work with, so they can really be prepared to help these students you know function to their their highest level of functioning.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, so you've, you've touched on a whole bunch of things that can get in the way of somebody really intervening most effectively. So what, what our listeners have to be wondering about is, is you know, we're, we're trying to help teachers acquire these, and, and school sca- staff acquire these these superpowers. So And we, we talk about a coaching session, so what exactly is a coaching session?
1: Uh, let, let me talk about what the, what the, uh, a coaching session would be really uh, is our attempt to build a, uh, a group of people that will be on, you know be the leaders in a school district to really um, help with the mental wellness and development in, in this school and awareness in the school. So it you know, cohorts can be set up uh, made up of a teacher, an administrator, some school counselors and how we try to approach that is, is start with a little community that becomes kind of a little community a little training community a little support community um and it starts with confidentiality mutual respect so whatever we talk about in that in that in that coaching group that uh you know is is really is kept in the room as far as uh it's you like know, vegas it's like yeah what what goes on in a room stays in that room and it allows for people to feel very comfortable about talking about what's this uncomfortable for them, what they're struggling with. Um, you know, what what happens sometimes when there's struggles going on, if people kind of go in their little silos and, and, and they keep it to themselves, um, it, it really can can lead to burnout, um, feelings of, of incompetence, uh, inability to help. Um, you have someone who needs help. So this becomes a place where um, they can come in and, and, and we train them on, on Understanding their reactions to people, understanding uh, different dynamics that people have um, in classrooms, uh, uh, parent—you know—working with hostile parents, working with student-teacher conflicts. So it's a place that we come in and talk about theory and and talk about the modules that they may have um, that they may have gone through. We answer questions about that, but then what we do is people bring in scenarios that they're struggling with. Um, if they have an upcoming parent meeting that's very challenging for them, if there's a school refusal kid uh, that they're struggling with, if there's been a lot of suicide uh, risk assessments going on, we, t- we really try to talk about what's going on and how to best intervene. So it's a way to really um, have a safe place for people to come in and talk about what's going on, how they want to intervene, and then the idea would be for those people to kind of mentor other people in the district. So it's not just a team of people that are aware of mental health issues and mental wellness issues, but it's kind of setting up a culture and a, and a community within a school to, uh, to, to do that. So it all starts with this co- these coaching sessions. Okay. So one way in which it's like other professional
0: development is that you're, you're talking about training a small group of people. And then having them turnkey their understanding to other staff members, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, but how is it different? I mean, there have to be people out there that, that are listening. They're saying, oh, this is just this is just training and this is just uh, professional
1: development. And,
0: uh, you're, you know, you're only training a few people. So how is this different from the kind of typical PD that people get in, in schools?
1: Uh, that That's a great question. Because I, I think any of us who've sent people to training, any of us that have gone through you know, gone to trainings, you know, one day or two day training, you know, what's, what's kind of demoralizing is people, people that spend a whole day or even read a whole book, they, they basically have one takeaway from that book that, and maybe after a week or two, they don't have any takeaway from the book or the training. So a lot of times they go and they come back and really they don't benefit from it over a long period of time and, they, and certainly the, their, their colleagues don't benefit from it. So what this does and what we've set up in Thrive is training modules, so each person gets a training module, that, you know, a group of training modules to go through, but we reinforce it with ongoing training and supervision through these mm. coaching sessions. So to, to me, like any good, any, any good learning, any good teaching strategy, it's reinforcement. It's not just a one-and-done sort of thing. It's, it's, you know, get the training, get the base knowledge, and then it constantly has to be reinforced. And then you have scenarios, right? I think the best way to learn anything is through scenarios, through experience, taking what you've learned, um, discussing it. Putting into practice, then coming back with the group and talking about what worked, what didn't work, and you know, we brainstorm other strategies. What what went well, what didn't go well, what we would try differently. Um, so it's really the on coaching is really an ongoing reinforcement of, of what we're doing in support and and you know and and really what we do in that community. It's not just me the coach. That's the uh, that's the most important person in that room. It's it becomes their other colleagues mentoring each other and sharing you know, sharing information and ideas. And it becomes a very, very uh, lively, you know, uh, group of, you know, collaborative sort of groups. So that's the real difference. You know, trainings are great, but, you know, the efficacy and and what people take and are able to utilize after a a one-time training is kind of sad. So this is an opportunity to know that that has happened. Uh, There's a lot of great trainings, but without reinforcement and and being able to put it into practice and process it, I don't find it terribly useful. And I I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, gosh. Uh,
0: What you're taking me back to is that back when I was doing my uh, training to be a principal and a school principal, and I was kind of writing my master's thesis for that, I became fascinated with professional development. And the two qualities that made for good professional development were one, that it was job embedded and two, that it was sustained, you know, that these one and done seminars and workshops can be great and fun, but they don't have a whole lot of impact. What has impact is when somebody learns some skills and then in a sustained and job embedded way, they get to practice the skills and even better, Practice the skills alongside colleagues so that they have that kind of mutual support. Right, right, absolutely. You know,
1: I just think about our 22 years of running, you know, private special ed schools, and you know, your training and my training as 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 clinicians. Um, the the. You know, best practices in in in, in therapy uh, is ongoing supervision. You know, good therapists have their own therapists, or they have their own and or their own supervisor, because you don't want to operate in isolation. The cases that we deal with tend to be pretty complicated. They bring up a lot of feelings. Two heads are better than one. Four heads are better than better than two heads. So, you know, the idea of 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 having a community where there's some accountability and people can kind of share their ideas and thoughts and reactions to certain scenarios that's really imperative. Um, you know, thinking about Sage Day, we had we had people of varying degrees of experience. If you think about it, right, we'd have um, you know teachers that were right out of school. We had seasoned therapists, seasoned teachers. But we what we always did was we'd have weekly meetings with people. You know, we we'd share writings, we'd share readings, we'd talk about things. But we'd constantly reinforce every week what's going on in the school and come up with interventions for the teachers, for the clinical staff. So that ongoing piece that you know, look most. Districts are just, they have a lot lot on their plate. They have have curriculums to deliver, teachers have curriculums to deliver, but now we have this kind of mental health component. You know, you remember, what, 10 years? I guess in the last 10 years, there's been a movement, but certainly 20-something years ago, mental health issues were seen as someone else's problem. They were seen as just the families or some other agency. Now I think schools are starting to understand that mental health issues are some of what we have to deal with, and that if a, you know if a kid is struggling emotionally, socially, and emotionally, they're going to struggle socially and academically. So um, you know, ninety percent of kids go to school and they do well and, and fine. But then there's another group of kids that need some additional support to really to really thrive. And I I don't even know if that ninety percent is any is, is even valid at this point because I think COVID and the stresses that are going on over the last year, um, there's more kids struggling with some anxiety and some depression, some uncertainty. So you know, being and, and teachers, um, you know, dealing with that. We always say on that when you're on an airplane and you're doing that briefing, adults, put the mask on yourself first before you before you help your, 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 your kids, uh, which always sounded kind of crazy to me. You should put it on your kids first. But if you think about it, the adult has to be clear headed, has to, has to be able to breathe and, and, and know what's going on in order to help other people. We're having to deal with adults coming back into the building that, you know, have gone through COVID themselves and are coming back in. So they have a level of anxiety. And tension about themselves. So, you know, just being aware of the mental um, and emotional stress on everyone right now as we reopen schools is a big, big deal. Yeah, as you said, I I think you know some people are perfectly
0: fine with staying at home. Some teens are perfectly fine with Mm -hmm. staying at home. Uh, One thing that hasn't gone on much uh, for the last year is is bullying. Right. You know, you, you, it's hard, kind of hard to bully in a Zoom meeting. It, it, it just doesn't happen the same. Way. Right. 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 And and they, they they already had their connections on social media and through texting. They were already doing a lot of that. So some kids yeah. are like, this is kind of cool. Why would I want to stop doing this? So there's got to be anxiety that they're feeling alongside the teacher anxiety about about returning. You know, what's that going to be like when we go back?
1: You know, uh, one of the things you know I was thinking about before is, you know, why the why the teachers and administrators and everything have, should, should get this training or, or be more well versed on uh, on on mental health issues is that schools tend to be ground zero of identifying you know emotional problems. That's where a lot of acting out happens. So mm-hmm. if, if a kid is beginning to struggle emotionally, um, you'll see their grades fall fall down. You'll see some social problems. You'll see them stop coming to school. Uh, I think there's a lot of kids right now that would have been picked up over the last year, year and a half if school was in regular session, right? Because they wouldn't be going to mm-hmm. school. So now you have all the kids that had problems before that were identified. we got to help them rejoin into school. Then you have the kids that over the last year kind of you know, we're not noticed at all. And, and there is a lot of school refusal going on still. Um, you, you know, it comes out in different ways. Some kids aren't logging on to school uh, at all. Some kids refuse to put their camera on. Some kids refuse to put their mic on. Some kids aren't attending all their classes. Any classes are handing in, you know, work that's, that's subparts. So there's a lot of things that we can look at still where screw refusal is manifesting. But we have to be ready, willing, able to, to look at those, those signs and, and, and intervene. And, you know, that's kind of what we want to talk about here. I always talk with my teams about looking at some of the softer signs that we can, you know, uh, where there's smoke, there's going to be fire, you know, often. So, you know, kids that are not logging on, kids whose grades have really fallen down, do we have an eyes on them right now and, and you know what's the transition plan to get them back into the school and begin to, to function? I think that's going to be a really really chal- a big challenge for everyone. I think you know maybe this spring it's going to be like <coughs> wherever comes in great, you know and, and everyone's kind of getting used to getting back to normal, but the fall after you go through a whole summer and kids having to rejoin, I think there's going to be a lot of issues in the fall mm-hmm. with with kids that uh, really, really struggled that didn't get the help they needed over the last year. Um, so we have to be prepared for that as as administrators and educators.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So in thinking about the, the coaching, and, and what do you think are some of the benefits that you've seen some of your cohorts uh, receive from the coaching and training experience that you think are going to carry over into that difficult time in the fall?
1: That That's a great question. I mean, a couple things that come to mind is that... Uh, a lot of times when people are struggling in their job or, or dealing with difficult situations, they feel their reaction to that, that those situations um, are unique to them. And what happens is when you get a group of professionals together who feel open and safe and comfortable and talking with each other, they realize, oh, my God, the thing I'm struggling with is not unique to me. You're struggling with it too or you're struggling with something different. But, you know, that we're all in this together, that, you know, I struggle, you. So everyone has a, these areas where they struggle in and having a place where they can kind of feel... Uh, safe to talk about the frustrations, the challenges, the uh, you know big feeling incompetence. has been a big feeling in a lot of professionals lately, administrators, because every week there's been some new challenge to take on, and kids are refusing to come to school. Parents are frustrated, so there's just been a lot of uh, a lot of tension and a lot of anxiety and a lot of a lot of school professionals. So you know, just having a place to talk about that stuff and have some empathy for what they're going through. And also have some empathy, help help them develop some empathy for, you know, parents that are calling up frustrated. They're 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 feeling like failures too. They're feeling frustrated. They're feeling overwhelmed. So what do they do? They take it out in the school, you know. So just really being more empathic to how challenging this is for, you know, for everyone. Um, So developing empathy is a big thing. Having having some support, and then just just having um, being able to kind of prepare for a difficult meeting or, or a uh, difficult challenge that's coming up and kind of, you know, bring it into the, the coaching session and then playing some scenarios, role playing a little bit about how I'm going to handle this when it happens. That sends these professionals into a situation that would have scared the heck out of me for with a little more courage and a little more, here's what I'm going to do if and when this happens. We prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they've come back feeling very relieved and proud and happy for how they handle a situation that they didn't think they would be able to handle in the past.
0: That's interesting. You know, I, I know you're a pilot, and so the metaphor that just popped into my head is a flight simulator. You know, you, you are, when you do a flight simulator, it. and you're, you're, you're going for your instrument rating or whatever, you're doing, you're trying to deal with adverse
1: circumstances right. that may come up, and how am I going to address this? And you're practicing, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, just harking back to my training as a, as a as a as a pilot. Yeah, you'd 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 practice scenarios over and over and over again, challenging ones. And you know, you're glad you're practicing in a simulator rather than the plane, because sometimes the first few times don't go very well. Same thing happens with uh, with interactions with hostile parents, or you know. Sometimes they don't go well. So we, we step back and we learn about them. We process, talk it through. And, and, you know, there's no shortage of those opportunities. So you go back in there a little more experienced um, and realizing that even if you do your best possible... Well, as a pilot, you still have you have to do your best job and land the plane safely. But even if you, you do your best job with, with a parent or a difficult situation, it doesn't mean it's always going to work out. That's one of the things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, y- 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 some situations are very, very hard. We prepare for the ones that... Uh, that you know, with the right intervention, you can you can turn turn it around a little bit. Some, but some, once in a while, you, you you hit a situation that is just almost impossible, and you know, and and we all have to deal with that. You know, how we're going to deal with something like that. But most situations are not impossible, but they may feel impossible. Sure. So we try to get people comfortable with those feelings that come up, and and uh, you know, and also, you know, it's not all on the therapist or the teacher or the administrator to solve a problem for a kid. We have to kind of work with what's getting in the way for the kid, what's getting away with the parents. Sometimes we have to get, help parents to kind of be more parental, and you know, ask and demand things of their kid rather than just saying the school's not doing what they need to do mm-hmm. for my students. There's a lot, as you know, there's a lot of complexities to this whole thing. So again, the coaching session is, is a way to, to inject some reality into a situation about what's possible, what's not possible, and then and try to prepare for uh, making the best intervention that we can.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking that in the context of a of a coaching session, people have the opportunity to try something out. And and you know, I know in my work with people, sometimes if you're role-playing something out about a converse a difficult conversation they're planning on having, you can talk all you want about what's the best way to handle it. And then right. when you put somebody in the moment, they go right to their instinctual reaction or what they're gonna say, which is probably the most ineffective thing that you could come up with sometimes, but they have the opportunity to make that mistake in the moment, but not in not with the person, and now they can rehearse it in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm sitting here laughing because uh, I'm thinking about you know um, this training that that I've been been doing and, and been sharing with uh, all the people I work with is and maybe we can do a podcast on this because it certainly can do a deep dive into that, but. Um, Use something called transference-focused psychotherapy in, in a lot of our interventions, and it's it's it, long and sort of a, it, it's been a it's been a design and a an and and approach to dealing with very very challenging you know personality disorder people, and it can it's been expanded to work with you know less challenging people. But you know one of the things that we that we always try to do is uh, you know clarification, confrontation, interpretation. So clarification is uh, when someone comes in upset with you right about something, rather than get defensive. Get some clarification. What are they upset about? Help them to talk about what it is they're upset about. Because one thing that it shows them that you're interested in them, right? And you're not getting defensive. And they may be right about what they're saying. So you get the, you get to the, have them have them talk about it. You understand their situation a little bit more. They get to hear themselves talk. And if you're not getting defensive, and you can say, "Wow, it sounds like like a, a situation where a, a parent will feel like a, a school is neglecting their child and doesn't care about their child," and you you just are in it for the money, they'll say you know all sorts of stupid things that get that get brought up in, in these moments of anger. But if the person who's under attack at that moment could just sit there calm and ground themselves, and get the parent to talk about that, and then there's interventions that we do in that moment to really deescalate things and have the parent begin to you know uh, be much more reasonable. You know, it, it, it's things like that that we teach and that we do that I think, you know, have been invaluable to a lot of the people that we work with. So it is a bit of a superpower. You know, it's one of those superpowers sure, yeah. that go on. It's not, um, You know, and, and people walk out of those meetings and that, that would have, you know, terrified them in the past, feeling a little, you know, feeling a little more confident and feeling like, all right, I did the best I could. And, uh, and sometimes the outcome goes much better than they expected. Sometimes it goes exactly how they expected. But, you know, they go in there with, with, with a plan. And I think that's important. So we, we try to provide people with a, with a way of listening, a way of hearing things that helps them not be defensive, stay neutral, and, um, and then help bring the temperature in the room down on, on certain things, whether we're intervening between a student and a teacher, a parent and a, and a professional, a parent and a teacher. You know, so there's a lot of ways that we, that we as the mental wellness you know, people in the school are trained to intervene. So, clearly, one of the long-term
0: benefits uh, of this coaching experience is that people start to develop these, these kind of uh, meta-strategies that they can carry over from one situation to another. So, it's not like, oh, I'm doing this for the first time. Right. I've now got some tools and some strategies that I can bring to various situations, and you begin to develop a sense that, you know, oh, I've seen this before. I know what, I feel more confidence. I know what to do. Right, and that
1: goes along with what you were talking about before, like, you know, how's this different from regular PD that it's, you know, we can practice it, go out and do it, you know, talk about it, do it again, practice it again, because there's no shortage of scenarios in the school to practice, you know, the learning and and, and practice the method. So, uh, you know, rather than just have a a one-off training and then you take, you know, we can kind of bring, you know, bring the training in, practice it out, talk about what went well, what didn't go well, so that's really the benefit of the coaching, you know, it's one of the big benefits that the repetitiveness of it, the support of it, and people can gain a sense of confidence so they can generalize it into other situations, and then, you know, ideally, they begin to mentor some of the other people in their just like a teacher the lead teacher here can also mentor some of the other other teachers the counselors in the school guidance can also mentor some of the other counselors so the idea would be to set up a community of people mm-hmm. you know that can that can that can do that you know we're limited with our with our training courts because to be effective we try to keep them between three to six people so everyone has time to talk and and, and listen so you know so districts can can have you know, a couple people going through the training cohorts. So they have a real robust uh, approach to this, uh, you know, from, from the get-go. So
0: I'm thinking about, you know, some of the, uh, the, the superpowers that, that develop over time. And, and one of the superpowers I think you, you talked about, we, you and I were talking recently, and you, you mentioned uh, using the, the term induced spider sense. You know, you were talking about um, how people you, people develop kind of a sense or they they use their feelings to kind of understand what's going on right. in, a, in a dynamic with a family maybe or with a student. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's I, one of the superpowers. Right,
1: one of the superpowers. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast a while ago by somebody and they, they said they, they used the term projective identification as a superpower, which I thought was brilliant. And, and basically, to not get too in the weeds on this, is that... Uh, Sometimes, what happens in a, in a room is, you know, projection, you know what projection is, right? Projection is a person has certain feelings that they don't want, and they don't want to own, and they attribute it to something else. So, someone could be very angry, but they don't want to own the anger, so they attribute it to, oh, you're angry at me. And, and the other person on the other side will be I'm not angry. You know, I think that this person's angry. Projective identification is a little trickier and a little deeper and a little more unconscious, where a person can have a feeling and be unaware of it. But they put it in, literally, like put it into the other person. It could be anger. It could be, it could be any feeling. Um, so the person, actually, the other person, the professional, the teacher, the administrator, the therapist, actually can feel that feeling. So it could be anger. It could be feeling of incompetence, feeling scared. That's a superpower. When you can realize that, you know, I, what I always say as a little bit of a hack for this one, how you feel before you're going on with someone and how you feel... Um, after you're in a room with someone, um, is is your feelings? What goes on that's out of the ordinary in your feeling state may have something to do with how that person's feeling. So, for instance, um, I had a patient one time that was in my office, and she was talking about something very, very flat about it, and uh, you know, just going on. But I, I kept having this feeling of being scared, of fear. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I actually realized, you know, uh, eventually that, you know, verbally, verbally, you know, she's not talking about anything fearful. She's not acting fearful, but there's a fearful feeling in the room. And, you know, I, I said to her something, I don't remember the exact words, but something to the effect of, you know, while you're talking about this, this, and that, I said, there's a feeling in, uh, of, uh, it, it seems like what you're not talking about is some aspect of being scared. And she looked at me like, I had some kind of superpower at that moment. She goes, oh, my God, that's exactly how, you know, she, she is a very frightened person. But underneath it all, she's just confident, good-looking, you, know, uh, you know, kicking ass and taking names kind of person. You'd never think this person was scared underneath it all. But I'd often feel this feeling of fear with her. So that, that's an example of projective identification. She put it into me. I was able to use that. That kind of stuff goes on all the time. Uh, between teachers and students, teachers and teachers, parents and teachers, um, where where a teacher may feel something with a certain kid, but but not know what to do with it, not know what's coming from the kid. A parent that could come in and make people feel scared. You know, everyone, everyone's had those parents that come in, you know, they come in, their, their, their guns are blazing. They'd actually feel, be, be frightened by that aggression, but... You know, most of the time we're safe and we're not under any threat, but sometimes people that come in really, really angry are really, really scared underneath it all. You know, parents who are coming and say, You're incompetent, you don't, my kid is failing, it's your fault, are really in, in some way expressing their own sense of um, feeling like failures or feeling scared about their kid's future. So when we can kind of understand, you know, some of these things get, get that get brought into the room and we don't get defensive to them and, react and, and reactive to them. But kind of can listen to them in a different way. It can really change the tone of so many things that that really escalate and lead to lawsuits inside a district, lead to you know student-teacher conflict, lead to, lead to parent, um, you know, administrator conflict. So a lot of stuff we've seen, not all, but a lot of stuff, if handled in a different way, um, can really can really um, get everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm.
0: So you 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 know you've touched on we've touched on a few things today we've touched on you know kind of developing a sense of community we've talked about developing empathy we've talked about learning to use yourself and learning to use the induced feelings that you feel Uh, we've talked about the ability of that staff to engage in a sustained job embedded experience and then turnkey that effectively to colleagues which further enhances that sense of community.
1: Um, I just want to. I, I want to mm-hmm. say something else. That, you know, one of the things I think we've always said at Sage Day um, is everybody in the school has a, has the uh, has a chance to have a therapeutic function with yes, a, with the students. Yes. Not everyone's a therapist, but everyone has a chance to have a therapeutic function. So the more people can understand some of the tenants that we touched on today. Um, sometimes the the custodian in the school can have a special relationship with the kids. Sometimes the art teacher, you know, there's all sorts of professionals. It's not just the therapeutic the therapist or the counselor, or the parent that can have that function. Sometimes it's just, I mean, you know, I remember from my own upbringing. I, I had some teachers that have made it made a big impact on me to today. I may not even know about. It. They just had a sense of empathy and listening and um, holding me accountable to something that at the moment I was kind of angry at. Like, but you know, it helped change my learning and my, my perspective on things. Some teachers had said, said something to me that I didn't want to hear at the moment. But, you know, because I knew it came from a, from a stance of, of care and compassion, I, had to, I couldn't dismiss it. I had to take it in. So we all have that ability. Um, or we all have the chance to, to, to make a difference in kids' lives. And, and the less scared we are of them, you know, one of the things that happens with mental health issues is people are afraid of, of saying the wrong thing. Or if I bring up something, if someone's depressed, it's going to make them more depressed. Or if I, if we talk about, you know, suicide, it's going to make them kill themselves. No, a lot of times it's, it's people need to talk about this stuff. And again, I'm a therapist, so I have a comfort level with this. And I know a lot of people don't have comfort level with this. But, you know, it's not if you bring that up, you're putting the idea in someone's head. If the idea is in someone's head, you know, sometimes you need someone to say, wow, it sounds like you're going through a really tough time and it feels pretty hopeless. It's not going to go... It's not like they weren't feeling hopeless before, and they go, "Oh, I didn't think about that. I'm going to be hopeless." And no, they can feel They can feel understood at that moment, and it doesn't mean that that math teacher or social studies teacher needs to be the therapist at that point. But they say, "Hey, you know, have you thought about talking with some to someone about that? You know, would you like me to get you some help, or can we talk?" So, so you know, sometimes the the, the teacher or the administrator can be the identifier of of, of a need, and mm-hmm. then. You know, we can, we, that person can, can be the facilitator to get some help, talk to the guidance counselor, talk to someone, reach out to a parent. So there's a lot of things we can do. And, and those are some of the things, again, that we also talk about in the coaching sessions. You know, here's the scenario that's coming up. What might be the best way to approach it to get this kid help?
0: I'd, I'd like to talk about a particular a particular situation uh, to, to, to wrap things up. But before we get to that, I just want to say, I mean, I think, I guess if there's one takeaway that we want people to have about coaching today, it's really that it raises the capacity of everyone.
1: Abs- it, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. So a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, we want to kind of lift everyone up to the, this, this awareness of this. And again, not everyone's going to be doing the deep dig on everything, but it, you know, we can kind of be aware, not be scared of it. It's, look, mental, emotional problems have been around as long as there's been people, right? So it's like, every, and everyone's got a neurotic life. There's a certain levels of anxiety. Some of us have, yeah, everyone's, everyone has experienced some anxiety and depression in their life. Some people have it to a, or a, a real problematic degree. Um, you know, if, if someone's got poor judgment, impulsivity, you know that really gets in the way of functioning so you know we just need to be aware of all these issues that go on because if you ignore them the kid the kids will not function well in in you know socially or or academically and i really think that as school professionals we really kids are still developing you know kids are still developing i always said that said to my therapist you know at sage we deal with kids from fourth grade until till 12th grade, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to change someone's life here right now. It's not like they're 30 or 40 years old where mm-hmm. they've had a whole life of living a certain way, you know, and it's kind of been, the die has been cast to some extent. It's a lot of work to undo things. We're getting kids right now that are in development, that are in this process, and if we can kind of intervene it in this way, it could really change, it can get them back on track in development, or it can change, or it can or it can get them on a good track for development. So you know, that's some of what, uh, you know, what we, what we like to, you know, believe in the, the hopefulness of what we're doing here, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: to, just to wrap up, can I loved your story about your patient with the fear and, and that induced feeling and how you were able to use that. So can you talk about a situation? Can you share another story about how um, coaching helped a team of one of your cohorts, mm-hmm. you know, really, uh, apply a different way, a different approach, and, and work through a situation successfully?
1: You know, I, I think two two stories come to mind. I'll be very quick about them, but I, hopefully I'll, I'll give you the flavor of what happened. So uh, one involved the teacher, and another one involved a, a, a counselor slash administrator. So to talk about the teacher one, this this teacher is in one of the cohorts, and she's kind of like a lead. She's seen as a lead teacher by a lot of people in her district, and she also happens to... Um, be an esl uh person so she does all, all the tra- translations things like that but you know um so we're, we're going through covid right now and uh, and uh their district is starting to bring people back into district again different comfort level with all of that stuff but let's 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 own this idea that it's a big deal right now for people to be coming into school back mm-hmm. into school so she was talking about her frustration with this one this one teacher and uh you know that she she had this girl that came in that, that just started in the school and this girl came up from you know Latin America, she hadn't been with her mother in a year, and she doesn't speak any English, and she's now in this classroom with this teacher. Well, this teacher is very frustrated with her. You know, no no empathy, no compassion, and it's easy to kind of beat up on this teacher, like oh you know come on. But you know, I, I said to the, the the teacher, our job right now is to help that teacher. Function better with this student, and let let's put ourselves in this teacher's situation. She's coming back in to a very very difficult situation under normal circumstances, and now she has this new new student with high needs, basically dumped on her. So is she is she excited about this? She's no, ready to do that. No, no. I, it's a, so we have to have some empathy for this teacher that it, it is a hard situation to be put into, and you know it kind of clicked in this the, this other teacher's mind about you know what had to happen. And I said, why don't we really? think about you know helping this teacher um, understand what she can expect out of this kid because this teacher again how do teachers measure their success the kids are doing the curriculum they're they're, they're doing what they're progressing this girl likely is not going to progress like another another like another kid would be and, and why would that be um, she doesn't speak the language she just went through from what I hear those those treks from you know, South America, you know, Latin America up to here. You're not flying, you know, in, in first class, uh, you know, into Newark Airport and having lunch on the plane. It's usually kind of a traumatic trek, and that's what happened with this girl. So whatever tr- trauma there was on that, whatever trauma there was back back at, back at, back at mm-hmm. home, and then she had to make that trek. Now she's back up here with her mom, who she hadn't seen in a year. And she doesn't speak English and now she's put into this whole new school district. And so mm-hmm. the idea that this girl is going to do math, science, English, or history anytime soon would be, you know, would, would be incomprehensible. So helping this teacher have some empathy for this children's this child's, you know, current situation. So we sometimes have to let people, you know, let people in on the story so the teacher can have some empathy. And once once this happened, the teacher, the teacher felt understood by this other teacher, and she was able to kind of, you know, uh, re, uh, reframe what success would be for right, herself right. as a teacher. So I, I thought it was a really nice way of uh, of our team intervening in that situation because it wasn't just the kid needs to be empathized with; this teacher has to be empathized with, right? So she, you know, what a hard what a hard spot to come in. I got this kid that I have to teach, and. Um, she didn't even speak Spanish, this, this teacher, she's a special ed, I think she's a special ed teacher, so the language barrier, depressed kid, traumatized kid, who you now have to teach, that's that's a pretty tough, that's a pretty tough situation, so that that's one of the things that come to mind. The other one that I wanted to uh, talk about was just an, a, another um, administrator slash counselor who would come to... Uh, would come to our cohorts, kind of looking, you know, just beaten down because she was she was dealing with these very, very hostile, difficult parents. I mean, really, really bad. And this 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 counselor couldn't be more caring and empathic and and you know everything you'd want from someone. But these people were hostile to her, and she started she was starting to, you know, uh, doubt her own competence and comp- confidence and everything. You know, so we were able to really. Um, you know, support her in that, how difficult it was, but develop some strategies for when she did go into the room with these parents. She was able to kind of ground herself, you know, stay neutral and know that was what was going to come her way, which was a lot of hostility, a lot of blaming, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of accusing her of not caring about the daughter. I mean, the worst things that were said, um, and we were able to help her, you know, um, understand that some of what she was getting was really how the parents were feeling about themselves and and she used some of the techniques that we were kind of talking about before to really bring it down and what wound up happening what really needed to happen with this with this situation she needed to see this girl more often this girl needed some counseling but Mm -hmm. she didn't want to deal with this because (laughs) you know who wants to who wants to who wants to get more involved in a situation like that. Um, Because there's so much hostility, and what happened was we were able to talk with her about this, and she was able to see this girl more often, and turn the parents around, and uh, you know the kid's doing very, very well in school now. And this and this counselor feels great, but boy, these parents were the kind that would make you want to leave, you know, leave the uh, the the field and go and open up a bagel store because they were really just so difficult to, to to work with. And this was a really talented therapist, but it was just you know the stuff that we deal with as administrators, teachers, and counselors. Or um, can be very, very challenging. But this is what we're paid for, and we we need to think about how we can best deal with these difficult situations, rather than just say it's not my job or it's someone else's job. Or the work you know, isn't it'll get go, better.
0: The work isn't getting easier, and uh, and the work isn't going the way. No, no. And if we if we keep on trying to to go at some of these issues with the same old tools, we're we're going to be at a loss. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely. We're we're so what what a great way uh to empower people uh john i really want to thank you for joining me today and and sharing this i mean i feel as if we we've, we've just scratched the surface on all of the all of the benefits of coaching but i i think you did really provide us with uh an excellent overview yeah
1: and i hope it resonates with people because you know anyone listening to this um you know ha- has an interest in mental health issues and and, and, and wants to grow and learn and uh hopefully this resonated with some people and they, they, they have a little more curiosity about you know how to go deeper with people and how to, how to be better trained for these situations and we you know we'd love to help i mean it, it's just a it's a lot of it, it's it, there's there's it's fun it's also very very meaningful And any time that you can uh, develop um, a set of skills that help you do your job better, uh, the more rewarding your job gets. And like you said, it's not getting easier out there. So you know, uh, just be prepared for that. We all want to, you know, stay involved with kids and and help kids grow and develop. And uh, you know, it's something that as 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 therapists, educators, and, and administrators, we're lifelong learners. So this is one area that everyone really needs to really grow and learn. We really do need to
0: demystify mental health. It it needs to be, you know, as you said, it needs to be something that is not just somebody else's job. It needs to be all of our jobs. And, And when we demystify it, we find that and when we acquire some of these skills and superpowers, if you will, people find that, oh, I can do this. This is, you know, I can be helpful. So thank you again. So that's, uh, that's the end of this episode, folks. Thank you for joining us. Conversations about student mental health is brought to you by Thrive Alliance Group, partners in school-based mental wellness. To learn more about mental health coaching and training for school staff, as, other, as well as other mental health support services for schools, visit our website at thrivealliancegroup.com. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you on the network. Be with you on the next episode.